Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Today, I want to talk about this and I want to leave you to ponder this question. And I hope that in, in my teaching and my sharing today that I guide you down a pathway to answer it. Here it is. What if our hearts were in sync with God's? What if our hearts were in sync with God's? What if our hearts were in sync with God's heart? What, what would the world, what would your personal life look like? What would your community look like? What would your family look like if our hearts were in sync with God's heart? Central within the message of the gospel is the command to love. In other words, the command to love is the center and everything around it is created and built and flows from it. Central within the message of the gospel, the good news, is the command to love. And watch this. The fruit produced from the Christian life is harvested by who we love and what we love. I say that again. I may have said that too fast. The fruit produced from the Christian life is harvested by who we love and what we love. Many New Testament stories are anchored by who we love and what we love. Our failures and successes are predicated on who we love and what we love. Our portion of peace is based on who we love and what we love. Our volume of joy is based on who we love and what we love. Our our measure of faith is determined by who we love and what we love. Love, our measure of faith is determined by who we love and what we love. If we love money more than we love our God, our measure of faith dictates that. If I have more confidence in what my possessions can do than what my, the one who gives me the possessions, it tells me where my faith lies. Our measure of faith is determined by who we love and what we love. Who we should love, my brothers and sisters, is God and who he loves. Who we should love is God and, watch this, who he loves. Well, who does God love? Everybody. How do you know that? For God so loved Mableton. Now, that doesn't say that, right? So God so loved Mosaic Church, it it doesn't say that either. So God so loved black folk. I don't think it says that, Pastor B. So God so loved Democrats. God so loved Republicans. No, God so loved America 
No. God so loved the world, the entire world, that he gave what was most precious to him. So that those who believe, in other words, he's given us the opportunity to believe. Why? So that we can have abundant life. God so loved the world. He so loved all of us. That's who he loves. Everybody. So you mean to tell me, Pastor B, he loves that person that committed this heinous act of hate toward these people? I believe he did. But that person didn't love themselves enough to know that God loved them. Being real. You mean to tell me, Pastor B, that, 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 that God loves the Satanists? Yes. Because as long as the Satanist has air in their lungs, as long as the disbeliever has breath in their body, there is still hope. What if, what if God gave up on me? Because I was not a believer. I was a radical Muslim. But if God gave up on me, though the church gave up on me, I will confess that. But God never gave, if God gave up on me, I don't know who would be standing right here preaching. Surely it wouldn't be me. As long as there's breath in the body and the lungs of the non-believer, there is still hope. So what should what we should love, I said who we should love is God and who he loves. Second to that is what we should love are the treasures of his heart. What we should love are the treasures of God's heart. I'm going to break both of these down to you in just a minute, but let's talk about who God loves. Our hearts, my brothers and sisters, should be so in sync with God's that whatever breaks his heart should also break our heart. Our hearts should be so in sync with God's heart that whatever breaks his heart should surely break our heart. Well, what, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor B? God hates this divisiveness that's, that's plaguing not this country, but the body of Christ. God is hurting right now. God is agonizing about what is happening here. God is looking at us saying, really? God, I believe, if it, I, this is me, I believe that God is one second away from like, you know what, I think I'm going to change things and go back to just starting all over again because they messed up. Because right now the body looks just like those Israelites who did not get it, those who rebelled against him. And that's what we're doing. Why? Because we're using influence to get where we want, not using our witness, not using our gospel. We're using influence. If I'm associated with this party, we're voting morally, and that's the way to go. And God has said, I don't care nothing about your politics. Quit adding me to that junk. I am God and God alone. I am not a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent. Heck, I'm not even an American. That's what God is saying. And y'all done jacked this thing up. And God is sick and tired of it. I believe in my heart of hearts that we have blown it. We've messed this thing up. Because we forgot what is central to the gospel. Central to the gospel is not morality. Central to the gospel is love. 
and we focus on stuff that does not even matter that much to God. If we can't love, who cares about how moral or immoral you are if you cannot just love? We've missed it. We're missing it. We're missing it. Watch this. The measuring stick for having a full life is not measured in the length of our days on earth. It's not measured in the number of our accomplishments. It's not even measured in the frequency of our own personal happiness. But it is rather measured on how we loved, who we've impacted, and how we gave. The measuring stick for a full life is measured on how we loved. In other words, I love you, but there are some conditions. Uh, I love you, but, um, dude, you got to like what I like. I love you, but who did you vote for? I love you, but what neighborhood do you live in? I love you, but, but are, are you heterosexual or homo? I love you, but there's conditions. That's not how God loves. God's love is unconditional. It's freely given to everyone, every sinner. Every sinner. You know what I imagine? Because we all have sin. We all have sin. My sin is different than your sin. Can you imagine if, if, if the church had like a machine like they have at TSA at, at, at the airport? Like so you go to, through the TSA, you got to lift your hands up and the machine goes around you and it does an internal uh, x-ray of what you may be packing? What if every time you walk through the church there was a thing like that but it did a spiritual thing on you? I would be denied entrance, and I'm the pastor. Somebody say amen, amen. unless you're holy. <laughs> Listen, I would be denied if there was such a thing. You would be denied of such a thing. And since that's the case, then none of us are void of sin. All of us are sin. All of us still carry a sin nature. But because of that, we should freely give love to everybody because we're all sinners. No, our sin don't look alike, but we still sinners. And God doesn't say that sin is worse than this one. No, sin is sin in the eyes of God. And all sin, if we confess it, can be forgiven and you be redeemed. So why does the church cause judgment on people? Huh? Why do we do that? Why? Why why do we, we get up here talking about vote your heart? That's not biblical. That's not gospel. He said witness. So if I witness, I ain't got to tell you how to vote. If I witness, if my testimony, if my living is not in vain, I don't have to tell you which way to vote. Just live right. Let people see my living. And then you do that. I don't have to tell you how to vote. It's not about that. To understand, my brothers and sisters, the heart of God You've got to look at what his word says about matters of the heart. There are so many scriptures that speak about love and talk about matters of the heart. A lot of them, but I just want to share one with you really quick. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Here's the part I want you to hold on to. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 
The English Standard Version says it expo- it's, it's our thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what are you saying there, Pastor B? What I'm saying is the word of God, this right here, this Bible, it exposes what we really believe about it. And the thing is, with the Bible, there's no gray area. And what Christianity has done, my brothers and sisters, because we've lacked this whole central thing about love, what we have done is picked what we like and what we don't like. This lines up with with, with where I'm at in my life. I'll take that. But this other thing, I don't know, Pastor B. Uh, this makes sense for my life right now. This this particular scripture right here, I love this psalm, but but the psalm after that where, where, where it judges me and calls me to confront my issues, I, I, I don't like that. And the thing is, either you believe it or you don't. Now, the thing is, the Bible gives us a little bit of freedom. The Bible says it's okay for us to question it. It's used to question. It's used for correcting. It's, it's, used, it's okay for that. But you've got to believe every part of it. You've got to believe that, that God actually parted a sea and allowed a group of people to walk across on dry land. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. You have to believe that, that, that Jesus actually did walk on water. You, 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 you have to believe that. You actually have to believe that he laid hands, that he spit in, the, in dirt and turned it into mud and put it on somebody's eye. And they could see again. You have to believe these things. You have to believe it. There is no gray area. Either you believe it or you don't. And if you believe everything in here, it tells me where your heart is. If you believe everything in here, it don't matter who's in office and who's not in office. If you believe everything in here, you can survive on a lot of money or a little bit of money. If you believe everything in here, you will never, ever be depressed by what people say about you because you know what your God says about you. If you believe everything that's in here, then your faith is strengthened. That you're never weak because he's always strong. If you believe everything that you read in here from the from the from the cover to cover, from the maps to the index and vice. You have to believe everything in here because everything is in, in here. If you believe it dictates how your heart is. Now, let's talk about who God loves. Ready? Matthew, chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. New Living Translation. It says, teacher. Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Watch this. What did I say before? The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Central to the gospel message is love. He's saying that right here. So, so, so who does he love? And who does he want us to love? Simple. God wants us to love him first. I'm just going to say it this way. It's impossible to love your neighbor as yourself if you can't love God. Because guess what? Your neighbor is everybody you encounter. In other words, your neighbor is that person that may not like you. I was saying to the to the church at our nine o'clock service, I said, man, you know, God says in the Bible, the Bible says this, pray for your enemy. Bible says something crazy like this. If they slap you on one cheek, turn the other one and slap you on the other. I used to have so much issue with that. I was like, man, Dr. King and him are crazy. 
Because I was militant at the time. I didn't know no better. I was on my Malcolm X by any means necessary. I'm still on it, but just on a Christian way. I'm, I'm straight up. I, I, I don't care. Say what you want to say. You, I, I'm, 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 I'm woke. I ain't sleep. I'm a woke Christian. Amen. So anyway, I digress. I won't be in the window with my AK. So listen up. I had issue with this because God says, in other words, love my enemy. Turn my other cheek. So if I'm out at one of these rallies trying to get people to vote and some racist fool decides to spit in my face, I'm supposed to love him? And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do that. Because I thought about this. I said, you know what? We have to love our neighbor, pray for our enemy. And I was like, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I, I, I'm going to take the approach that I took when I was a little boy. When I did something wrong, my mother or my grandmother, never my daddy, they would get the belt. And they, you know what they tell me when I was out of line? This going to hurt me more than to hurt you. But I'm doing this because I love you. And if my enemy spits in my face, that's what I'm going to do. This going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. But I'm doing it because I love you. You feel the love? You feel that love, boy? I love you. <laughs> hey, I would be right. I'm loving them the way I was taught to love. I was taught, hey, when I was taught to love that way, I'm just playing, sort of. <laughs> Don't test me. Listen, seriously, your neighbor is everybody you encounter. Your neighbor is that person. And, and you know what I'll tell you? God will test you. <laughs> he will test you. He'll put that issue that you struggle with. Like if you struggle with, 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 with homosexuality and, 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 and being, you know, people being homosexuals, if you struggle with that, guess what? God will put one, a homosexual right in your path. And, and, and then see, can you love them? Because I know your issues. I know what you struggle with. I know that you have an issue with them. Can you handle it? God will put you in and he will somehow, some way arrange for you to be in the lunchroom while they're sharing racist jokes. And you'll be like, and God's like, what you going to do? You going to love him? Not the way Pastor B said, but you going to love him the way I said? Because <laughs> some of y'all be like, Pastor B said. <laughs> you know, that's so disrespectful to slap somebody. You actually give them more courtesy if you punch them. Slapping is just a whole nother level of disrespect. I don't know. Seriously, God will put these opportunities in front of you to test them. Are you going to love them the way I love them? Are you going to pray for them? Do you know this morning, I, I prayed for these hateful people that killed these people and caused harm to people. I prayed for them. I prayed for our president, who I, I, will, I don't agree with. I, I prayed for him. That's what I'm supposed to do. For one, he's not only my president, he's my brother in Christ. He said he's a Christian. He may not act like one, but he says he's one. And I prayed for him. Our former president, a Christian. There were times he didn't act like one, but I prayed for him. I'm being real. Because they're, I understand their position, I understand their job. But if you say you're a Christian, my duty as your brother is to pray for you. It's not something that I have an option against. I have to do it. We have to do it. For God so loved the world, everybody. You don't have the right not to love the world if you are a Christian. 
John 15, 12 through 13. John 15, 12 through 13. John 15, 12 through 13. This commandment, this is my commandment, he says. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. We read, we read that all the time, and the first thing we think is death, right? Death. Right? Oh, I'm going to die for my friend, and that could be it. it. It could mean that, but that's not what it means. It's literally lay down your life. That could mean your lifestyle. That could mean uh, 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 your level of comfort. Lay down your comfortable life for somebody else so that there is no need. You know who did that well? The church in Antioch that we read about in the book of Acts chapter 2. They laid down their lives for the rest of the believers. How do I know that? They sold their possessions. And when you think of that, these weren't poor folk. All these people were not poor folk. These people had money. They said, my life is not as important as all of the rest of these life. It's, in other words, they were sitting here saying, I'm not going to be happy, chilling, enjoying myself while my people suffer. We talked about somebody who did that last week, Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a good job, made good money. I mean, he had like the job of jobs. What happened? I'm going to leave this job. To help my people. It's not about the wall. It's about the people who are li- sitting here looking at this wall. Feeling like they can't do anything. Feeling like they're less than. Feeling like they're, they, they don't have it within them to do it. And that's what we need to be. Like Nehemiah. We can't look and see our people suffer and not do anything about it. That's not biblical. We can't look and see jacked up school systems and say, oh man, you know, man, maybe the government will do something. That's not true. Why are we waiting for the government when we have the resources as the church? We can't look and see poverty and say, oh, man, I hope somebody feeds them. When you know you might have two loaves of bread, you only need one. We can't look and see people uh, uh, without clothes when you know when you looked in your closet this morning and you spent about an hour trying to figure out what you were going to wear because you had more clothes than Macy's. We can't do that. We can't. That's not what pleases God. We have to do better. For God so loved the world. Everybody in the world. The sinner and the saint. The haves and the have-nots. Black, white, Latino, Native American, the world that he gave his only son. The thing he loved most, he gave for those who he loved most. What he loved most was his son, his only begotten son. There was not another after. He gave for those he loved most. That's us. He said, I'll give my son for you in hopes that you will accept me. Knowing that not everybody would, he still gave what was most precious to him, his own son, for others, hoping that they too would love him. And the only way they can do that is through us. The only way they experience God's love is through our witness. 
Not our judgment, not our condemnation, not our voting. No, no, no. Through our witness. Through our witness. That's the only way. He gave what he loved most for who he loved most. And that's us. So let's talk about what God loves, what he loves, what what does God love? Help me with this, Pastor B. I know who he loves. You just made that plain. He loves the world, everybody in it. But what does God love? What what does God love? Very simple. God loves your heart. God loves your heart. You know, you know what? You know what makes God most happy? You know what gives him his greatest joy? It's fellowship with him. I'm serious. And some of y'all are like, oh, man, you're just trying to get us to come to church. I ain't even talking about church. What does your personal devotion look like? I'm serious. If, if your personal devotion is just on Sunday morning, you missed it. If your personal devotion is just for 90 minutes, sometimes less than that, on Sunday, you missed it. Church ain't going to help you more than your personal devotion will. It's your personal personal devotion, your prayer life, your praise to God. What are you doing in your time, in the time that you have with God and for God? That's what God wants. God wants your heart. He desires a relationship with you, and that relationships require an investment from your heart. The relationship with God requires an investment from your heart. Matthew 6. Verse 19 through 21, very simple, says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them up and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. No, no, no. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In other words, what matters to you most will tell me everything about what you love most. What, what, where you spend the bulk of your money, where you spend the bulk of your time tells me everything that I need to know about where your heart is. And I get it. Listen, I have four kids and a wife. I love and, and I'm devoted to making sure that they're well taken care of. But man, my allegiance is to God first. And I say that to my children. I don't have to say it to my wife because her devotion to God first is first in her life, too. Our marriage is weak apart from him. We flat broken will always be broke apart from him. Our children will always be a mess apart from him. I have to be aligned with him first before even the marriage and the family. It got quiet in here because that ain't your life. That's okay. I'm judging today. It got quiet in here because maybe that's not you. It's okay. We all have to grow in some areas of our life. We all have to. This is not to condemn you. I want to help you this morning. I want to help you get yourself in order. I want to help you have the right order with your life because apart from God, if you don't look at the world right now and don't be and feel that you're not ready for the return of God, I I, I worry about you. I look at all that's happening in this world right now and I'm just like, even me, I'm like, man, am I right? Am I ready? I mean, because Jesus is on his way back, man. I I got to make sure I'm I'm calling people I ain't talked to in a while. Just like, hey, man, I know it's been like 20 years, but remember, I bullied you in school. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to get right. 
I don't want to get there and it be something stupid I did when I was in, in fifth grade or something. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get right because Jesus is indeed coming back. And if you don't believe it, again, I go back to this. You obviously don't believe this. You got to know he is coming back. And he says this, we don't know the hour or when, but when I read the book of Revelation and I look at the mess that's going on in the world right now, oh my goodness, God, I got to get right. It's urgency. It's a 9111111. You understand? This ain't play play. This is real life. This is real life, and we've got to make sure that we are aligned with him. God loves our heart. He desires relationship with us. Do you realize when I say that, do you know who the greatest competitor for your heart is with God? It's not, it's not Satan. The devil don't care nothing about your heart. The devil cares about your weaknesses. Your heart could be one of the weaknesses, but the devil, is he, he's an enticer. That's his job. He's to entice you, right? And so he's going to look at your areas of weaknesses, and that's where he's going to entice you. How do I know that? Well, let's look at Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus was in the wilderness. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and then the Bible says that he was tempted by Satan. What was his first temptation? Food. Why would he offer him food first? The devil said, listen, if you are indeed who you say you are, why don't you take these stones and make some wonder bread? Maybe he didn't say wonder bread, but y'all get it. And Jesus was like, man does not live by bread alone. Why would he start with food? Because the man hadn't eaten in 40 days and 40 nights. And I'm going to tell you, this is how I'm going to help you defeat the devil. When you feel that you are being tempted in life, you need to kind of do an evaluation of yourself. Check some inventory and say, you know what? Maybe there's some weakness over there. For instance, if you're having issues with money in this season, that's when the devil's going to tempt you and have you start making some bad decisions with your money. Why is it when we are the brokest in our life, we spend the most money? I know brokest ain't a word. Don't judge me. I'm speaking our language listen seriously why is it when we have the least amount of money we spend the most why is it check this out why is it according to the nation's statistic we don't make nearly as much as our counterparts but we spend twice or three times more than they do in other words we are broke but we spend more than they do because it's a poverty mindset it's a poverty mindset. We've got to get out of it. So, so if you're having issues with money, if you're, if you're, if you're broke, watch this. If, you, if your money is low, you just got laid off, watch how the devil tempts you with money. You start thinking of stuff you, you, you ought to do that you know you shouldn't do. You start making poor decisions with your finances. Watch this. If you're in a, in a marriage, and, and let's just say, uh, you know, ain't no kids around. Okay, maybe one, but we'll just, maybe she missed this. Let's just say you're married, and you guys are going through a dry season. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Marriage bed a little dry. Okay. Y'all get that later on. Maybe y'all got it going on like that. Y'all never had no dry seasons. All right, whatever. Y'all could be fake. It's okay. And what will happen? You will be tempted to look at inappropriate material. All of a sudden, people paying attention to you that never paid attention to you before. That ain't nothing but the devil trying to draw your attention from the real issue. That's what he does when you're weak. That's what he does when you're weak. He looks at your weaknesses. He looks at those things where there's the greatest need in your life, and that's what the devil does. He is not interested in your heart unless your heart is the issue. So now let me tell you how God works. God says, I want your heart. And the one thing that's preventing me from having an authentic relationship with you and your heart is money. 
And y'all are like, oh, I knew it. It's going to say money, 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 money. Yes, money is the thing that is the greatest competitor against God for your heart. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm not talking about liquid money all the times. I'm talking about sometimes what money does for you. Money gives us this. Watch this. I'm going to go down the list really quick. Money gives us, watch this, lifestyle. It gives us lifestyle. Oh, I got a good lifestyle. I can go have dinner out when I want. I could do this one. I remember what, listen, let me tell you how crazy money is. I remember because I grew up, I didn't grow up rich, right? We grew up in the projects in upstate New York. And going to McDonald's was a, it wasn't a big deal. It was like the deal. Like if you were able to go to McDonald's, y'all, Eddie Murphy did a spit, a, a, a thing about it. Y'all remember that? That's just how it was. If you went to McDonald's, that was a big deal. But most of the time, we had Mama Burgers, right, on Wonder Bread. And, and it was greasy on the bread. All right, whatever. Y'all, man, y'all don't know how to. Y'all must have grew up privileged. But it was a big deal to go to McDonald's. I remember have, the first time I had enough money to buy my own McDonald's. It was like a big deal. Like, man, I'm going to McDonald's. Because I had money to go to McDonald's because it was a treat growing up. We couldn't have McDonald's. Now I avoid the place like the plague. <laughs> the fries don't get stale. What? That ain't real food. You can have a burger for 20 years and it still look the same way. What? That ain't food. Huh? My whole point is this. Our mindset has to change. It's lifestyle. We think that money gives us lifestyle and it doesn't. We think, watch this, this is a good one. We think that money makes us happy. It does. It really does. But can I tell you something about happiness? It's fleeting. It's fleeting. Solomon told us that. Solomon was the wisest king. The man had a whole bunch of wives and legal side chicks, and it was okay. And he still wasn't happy. I'm, I'm very serious. His concubines were legal side chicks. He had everything, the wisest king, dope crib, a lot of money, and he looked up and said, man... This is all like just dust in the wind. It's like being in the wind. Like chasing the wind is what he said. And that's what it's like for us when we have money. We're constantly trying to fill voids that only God can fill. We're buying the latest this. Like like, like we buy the 65-inch TV, we'll be happy until the 75-inch comes out. Then you got to have that. And eventually, the 75, you get that, you're like, oh, man, Joe, the 75, check out the 75. And then all of a sudden, the 100 inch, and he's like, I got to get that 100 because the 75 ain't cool no more. Happiness is fleeting. We buy stuff. We feel good for the moment. But then something else comes better. And watch this. It's over. You want the new thing. And I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be real honest? Don't judge me. Some of y'all are like that with relationships. Namely, your relationship with God. God, oh, man. Yeah, God, man, thanks for blessing me. I got that job I was praying for. I got the promotion I was praying for. Man, I got that raise I was praying for. Man, God is good. God is good. God is good. Until all of a sudden there's a new opportunity and you don't get it. Is God still good? Or is he just convenient? I'm preaching this morning. Money gives us a false sense of security. How do I know that even the money said it trusts in God? but we trust in the money. The money says in God we trust, but we trust in the money. Anybody in here have job security? I don't want to call nobody out if you raise your hand, but I would tell you, you would be lying. There's no such thing as job security. 
I don't care if you're in business for yourself. Any day, a client can stop coming to you. Any day, your product can be outdated and somebody else would have a better product. Any day, your service could be outdone by somebody else's service. There is no such thing as financial security when it comes to money. But there is financial security when you think about the kingdom. God says, I will never leave nor forsake you. He told his disciples who were sitting there hungry, he said, what are you worrying about what you're going to eat tomorrow? You see God take care of this little, this little animal over here, and he take care of that little animal over there. And don't you know your God loves you more than that animal, so he's going to take care of you? That animal's not getting up talking about what we're going to eat. That animal goes out knowing it's going to eat or get eaten. I'm just being real. Depends on the animal. Depends on what level of the food chain you are on, you know. But somebody eating, God's going to take care of his own. That's the same thing with us. We have this false sense that money gives us security, and there's no such thing. I don't care how many investments you make. I don't care how much money you make. That person that won that billion-dollar lotto, yeah, they'll be broke. I promise you. I'm one of those people that actually watched that show, how, how, how people win the lotto and then how they end up broke. It's always amazing because I'm like y'all, and I say y'all because I know y'all do this. Y'all sit there like, oh, I would have done this with that money. No, you would have done the same thing because we don't have that money just in our lap to know how to manage it. Everything we have, we've earned, right, in increments. But drop a billion dollars on somebody right now. You already got plans on how you do it, but guess what? You won't do it right. We've never had that kind of money to deal with. We've earned everything in our life so far in increments. This is why a lot of athletes and stars go broke. They've never had that lump sum of money to deal with. And all of a sudden, the first thing you want to do, it start off this way. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to buy my mama house. I'm going to buy my sister house. I'm gonna buy. And then after that, after that, I ain't going to buy no more houses. I'm going to invest in a business. But you ain't never been a business owner. So you buy a bad business, and it fails. Money down the drain. You buy a house. Buy a house for your family. Not you, mama. But sometimes they don't pay the taxes. They lose a house. All right? I'm serious, and it happens all the time. More times than not. Money gives us Lifestyle, a false sense of happiness, a false sense of security, it gives us fake influence, right? You get money, all of a sudden you're popular. Man, them people only run you because you got money. Where were they at when you was broke? Huh? We think that money gives us influence. This is why, watch this, this is why Christians are lined up with politics now. I figure if I take my money as a Christian and line it up with this Christian politician, uh, they will vote the way I need them to vote for my Christian rights. Fool, your Christian rights ain't being uh, jeopardized. They're just giving freedom to other people. You ain't got to agree with that freedom, but your rights, they're not taking our Christian rights. Taking our Christian rights are like what they're doing in Asia, where if you say the name of Jesus out loud, that could literally mean your head rolling on the ground. They're not doing that in this country. They'll never do that in this country. Never. It won't happen. So it trips me out when we Christians line our money up with politicians that are Christians so that we can legislate morality. Because our witness is weak. That's not how it's done. We think that money gives us influence. We think that money gives us status. Watch this. Some of us actually believe it makes us significant. We're significant. How do I know that? Y'all remember uh, 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 the, little, the little dude in the Bible? He was like a chief tax collector, right? And, 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 and he was, watch this, he was stealing money from his own people because, watch this, he wasn't 
famous. Okay, his name was Zacchaeus. Okay, so Zacchaeus, the Bible, this, you got to read the Bible. The Bible describes him as a little dude. He was short. He was unattractive. So he couldn't have, he didn't have no friends otherwise. So the only way that he can have some significance, I'm serious, this is biblical. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. The only way he can have some friends otherwise was, you know what, I'm just going to make money. Right? So he made money. He became popular making money. He had some friends, whatever. But even having all of that, he still needed Jesus. This fool, with all of his influence and his unofficial and, and, un, and, and, and unauthentic uh, significance, still needed Jesus. So much so that he embarrassed himself, climbed up the tree like a little, little monkey guy, got to get up there and looking for Jesus. Jesus walked by and said, Zacchaeus, come on out that tree. Come on out that tree. It's not that real. You did all of this. You stole from your own people, broke families up, no matter, and no, no, no telling what else you did. And now you realize that all you ever needed was me. Come on down here. Let me eat with you. This man, Zacchaeus, thought that money would give him significance. And in the end, he realized the only significance he ever needed was that from God, from Jesus. The only validation he ever needed. And many of us are like Zacchaeus. I want to stack my pockets. I want to drive my famous whip. Can I? Hey, guys, do not kick me out the mail club, all right? But I'm going to share a secret with the people here today. Yes, sir. It may not apply to you anymore because you're married. But let me tell you a secret. Guys, back in the day, you know what we used to do? We used to spend all of our money to impress y'all. At least y'all thought, but we were impressing other guys. Like we get fancy cars in apartments with no furniture. We got the car to impress you, but we ain't got no furniture at the house for us to sit on. I was one. I had a BMW in an apartment with a mattress on the floor. In a loft apartment on Elmwood Avenue in Buffalo, New York, with a paid-for BMW. And I was doing the thing. And I invite people over, and we got a, a mattress on the floor. And one of those uh, little chairs, I don't know what you even call those chairs, like the round chair. Papasan chair, that's the one. The Papasan chair, that was my only bit of friend. She know about the Papasan. Somebody invited her to the house. That was like the bachelor staple. <laughs> Guys, get fancy clothes. We get fancy cars. We get fancy bling. We go to the club and spend big money to get into the club. Spend big money on drinks just so we can stand on the wall. <laughs> yeah, check me out. I'm going to buy drinks for them. I'm going to buy the bar. But you go into an apartment that you're one payment away from being evicted from. We're faking the funk because we believe that money gives us status. Money gives us significance. Money gets me girls. We're doing all of this stuff. Guys doing all of this stuff, spending all this money to look good for other guys. It's not to impress you. I just want you to see me before you see him. And I want him to see him. I want him to see you looking at me. We do all this stuff not to impress you because we want you to see that I'm better than that dude. That's why I'm doing this. All right, guys, see, the guys are quiet because I done told something. Seriously, we never did stuff like that to impress the girls. It was all about I want to look better than the next man. Because when we go to the club, we spend all this money, we stand against the wall. Like, if I spend that kind of money, I'm going to dance with, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, every person I dance with is going to equate to the amount of money I spent. So if I spend $100, I'm, I'm dancing with about 100 people. No joke. 
five. I'm gonna get my money's worth. I'm like, ah, it's a hundred dollars worth of dancing. I'm good. Now I can leave. I'm okay. <laughs> we don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let me finish up here. <laughs> Matthew nineteen, sixteen through twenty-two. I'm not gonna read this, I'm just gonna just paraphrase it for you really quick. You know how I know God wants your heart and the greatest competitor is money? Watch this. Matthew 16. I mean, Matthew, <clears throat> excuse me, 19, 16 through 22. This is what happens. There's this young, rich dude, good-looking guy, had a lot of money. And, and he was a righteous guy for the most part. And so he wants to follow Jesus. I want to, Jesus, how can I hang with you? And Jesus told him, he's like, you know, you just basically just live right, follow the commandments, don't sin, you know, treat others right, do some good deeds and all of these things. I'm paraphrasing here. And so the guy was like, man, okay, I've done good deeds. I'm doing this right. I follow the commandments. All right, cool. But what, what else do I need to do? Jesus is like, oh, okay. So you really want to know what you got to do to follow me. You really want to follow me? So this is what it really requires. Sell all your possessions. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, yo, homeboy, where, where, where are you going? Why are you crying? Where, where are you going? Why are you leaving? I told you what you need to do. You don't want to follow me now? Because you have to sell your possessions? I'm not worthy anymore of hanging out because you have to sell your possessions? The Bible says the guy ran away sad. Why? Because he had many possessions. And he's like, I, 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 I've lived right, I've done things right, but these possessions, I can't let go. And many of us are like that. I live right, I don't cuss, I don't gamble, I don't do none of this. I'm a, I live a good life, but whoa, <laughs> I don't know about my possessions, my money. I work hard for my money. I ain't giving up my money so freely to help people out. Uh, I know you want me to tithe, Pastor, but I mean, listen, I tithe my time. That's not a tithe. God didn't say tithe the tithe. He gives a clear example of what the tithe is. It's earned income. That's what he said. He ain't saying nothing about tithing your time. When the pre- who, 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 who preaching this stuff? He makes it clear. Tithe your possessions. He tells this guy, you want to follow me? Sell your possessions. And I believe that the church in Antioch had read that. They knew this story very well. And that's what the church in Antioch did in the book of Acts. Sold their possessions sold their possessions. Why? Not so that the preacher could get bling. Not so that uh, uh, the church could get a bigger building. They sold their possessions so nobody had a need. That's what it's about. If the church would just be the church, we could really eradicate a lot of things. All right, here we go. We don't live, we don't need to live on money, my brothers and sisters. We need to live, we need something to live for. I'm going to say that again because I jacked it up a little bit. We don't need money to live on. We need something to live for. We need something to live for. We look at money as I need it to live on, but no, no, no. What if my money was something to live for? What if, what if my money was to really eradicate some of the issues in this world? Money, my friends, is an article which may be used as a universal passport to everywhere except heaven. Money is an article which may be used as a universal passport to everywhere except heaven. And watch this. And as a universal provider of everything but joy. Money can get you everywhere but heaven and can give you everything except joy. 
It can give you happiness, but joy only comes from heaven. It only comes from heaven. It only comes from heaven. So watch this. I'm going to close it right here. God's standard from giving, it comes out of grace. I've said this before, and it's worth saying it again. God's standard for giving, it comes out of grace. The standard of giving is in response, is the response of the believer, believer out of the gratitude to God. The gift of grace is not just about pardons. When we look at grace, we think about pardons. Oh, grace pardons and covers my sins. But grace is also about pouring. Grace is not just about pardons. It's also about pouring. Bible says this, and I will open up the windows of heaven and what? Pour out a blessing. It doesn't say I'm going to pour out money. God says I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Grace. Grace is also about pouring. God pours into us. God pours his wisdom. He pours his protection. He pours his love into us so that we may be emptied out onto the world. Grace is not just about pardons, but it's also about pouring. 1 Timothy 6, 18, 19 says this. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Here it is. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. What did I say earlier? What did, what did Jesus say? Don't store up your treasures, treasures here on earth, but on heavenly things. And Timothy echoes that. If the people with their money would do the good deeds... If we would love, we would be storing up for the future so that we may have a good life. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.